In last week's episode, we introduced you to our new friend, Angela Engel, about how using the tools of business and entrepreneurship enabled her to see a problem in her community and solve it uh, in a very socially impactful way. Now, while Angela was able to use those tools of business to solve the problem, that is not actually her business. She just was able to do something really cool uh, at a critical time at the very beginning of the outbreak of COVID. Today's guest is Leo Alicante, and in a similar way, used his life's experiences and journey to form business around solving a social problem. And I love this story so much because it's his, his whole life's journey brought him to this stage, and uh, Leo's perspective is very unique. He was born and raised on a tiny island 300 miles off the west coast of Central Africa. And his passion and his commitment to his work stems from this island childhood. It was here that Leo witnessed how both the smallest changes in weather patterns and the influx of extractive energy industries deeply impacted his island people and their way of life. Access to energy on the island was unreliable, so there was a high cost and and the reward was not what it should have been. Uh, truly another amazing story of social entrepreneurship and social innovation that solves many problems around equality, as well as climate change. With that, we have a giveaway that we launched last week, sparked by Angela's episode, and I'll let Mary explain here uh, a little bit more about what that is. As an addition to this week's episode with Angela Engel, we are stoked to bring together what we're calling the Entrepreneur Fuel Kit Giveaway. We want to keep the entrepreneurial spirit alive, especially amidst chaos and crisis. So what's included? A $25 gift certificate from La Terza Artisan Coffee, a collective book studio book bag from Angela Engel, a copy of Bob Lesser's book, The Peak Performance Formula, and two of Ellie's essential oils blends, both Bliss and Ignite. All of these things come together and are valued at over $130. This giveaway will start on 4-5 and end on 4-15. If you're interested in participating, Go to our Instagram at third place podcast, like the post, tag an entrepreneur who you want to support with some fuel for their fire and follow all of our amazing contributors. Get a bonus entry too when you share this on your story and engage with us more interactively. We welcome you to explore the third place with us. It is an invitation to the gray space, a space where deeper connections are fostered through challenging, empowering, and engaging dialogue. You will walk away with a deeper understanding of self, equipped to engage with others in life's complex conversations. Thank you for listening. We invite you in to the third place. Well, welcome, Leo, to the Third Place Podcast. So happy to have you on with us today. And I wanted to bring you on because... I think you have a very unique story to tell. I want to hear a little bit about your background, but you're currently running a campaign around renewable energy and starting an energy company. But you have the eyes and perspectives of an immigrant moving from Africa. You move to a very traditionally red state uh, that loves their fossil fuels. And you're a person of color, also living in an area that is um, not as diverse as other parts of the country. 
So I think you have a lot of intersections of unique conversations, and I'm just excited to hear your perspectives on um, on your journey uh, and your work as we dive into looking ahead for renewable energy in the future. So thanks for joining us. Baby, thank you so much for, for inviting me and for having me. Uh, same team, Mary. So tell us about your work in energy. Let's begin with that part of the story. And then you currently live in Philadelphia, but how you first moved to Oklahoma. Well, so um, like you said in my intro, I'm originally from West Africa. And when I came to the States, part of the reason why I came to the States is because they had discovered oil in my native country. And I was very fortunate as a young man to be very good in math. So the local government thought that they wanted to send me to the States to, to study petroleum engineering so I could become part of uh, that generation that will take over the oil that they had discovered in my country. So that's what brought me to the States. Uh, at the time, the University of Tulsa in Oklahoma had one of the best petroleum engineering programs in the country. Uh, Colorado School of Mines also come to mind at the time. Uh, but anyway, so that's how I ended, ended up in, uh, in Oklahoma, uh, because I was studying petroleum engineering. And so that was in college that you left West Africa to come to Oklahoma? So I finished high school. After finish, uh, finishing high school in, uh, in Africa, I came to the United States to study petroleum engineering, yes. Okay. And so did you have to like apply or how was it, how was the connection made to your math skills to this trajectory? So the government of my country at the time had connections uh, with, uh, with the best uh, schools in the United States. Uh, I had no way of being able to find uh, Tulsa in a map, nowhere in the world, right? Yeah. So that's how I was able to find uh, that school. Um, for the connections that my, uh, my local government had with the university. And so then, I mean, sort of bring us to the time where you're an immigrant in Oklahoma. Like, what, what did that look like and feel like? Walls will never fully describe the culture shock coming from West Africa. Now, mind you, I was born in a very disinvested part of Africa, in part of Equatorial Guinea. It's a little tiny island called Anobon. Uh, we did not have running water, we did not have electricity, were very isolated from, from the mainland uh, and from the world, right? We did not have TV, we did not have computers. So imagine coming from that, Tulsa is not New York City or it's not LA, but still you can imagine seeing, seeing heavy traffic for the first time, right? So seeing running water from the first time, going to, the library, to a library, uh, coming from a place where you never had books, uh, Culture shock <laughs> would not would not fully describe it. Yeah, I can't imagine the the culture shock. So I also didn't realize the petroleum work brought you to the United States. At what point in the, your journey brought you to more of this renewable energy or more sustainable energy conversation? Was that after you moved here and did work in petroleum? Yes. Yeah, so I was, like like I said earlier, I was born in a very tiny, isolated, disinvested community in West Africa. Uh, as a young man, I didn't know the science behind what was happening to my island, right? We were a small community that depended on the land for food. And we, dep we depended on the ocean to be able to fish what we eat every day. As the oil was discovered in the country, things started shifting. We started seeing things that we could not fully understand it. And as a young man, I didn't have the intellectual ability or the know-how to be able to, to connect the dots. When I came to the States and I started to study petroleum engineering, I would call back home 
And I'll hear all these horror stories about how the beaches that I used to enjoy as a young man, you could no longer enjoy those beaches because of the pollution that had, had come from hydrocarbon exploration. I'll hear horror stories about how the land that we had lived, generations and generations of, of my ancestors had lived for so long, were being, the environment was being changed by, by things that we did not fully understand, right? So that's when I start thinking deeper about, yes, I wanted to finish my, my degree, but I, I started thinking deeper about, yes, we need that energy. Yes, we need the development that comes with that energy and, and the jobs that come with that. But how can we get that energy in a more sustainable way? So the idea of uh, renewables, um, I would say for my sophomore year, I started thinking about a different way of doing it. Right? And that's where the idea of renewables started coming to my mind, even though I was studying petroleum engineering because I had uh, agreed to do that. Uh, I started thinking about what can what can I do beyond uh, beyond hydrocarbons, right? And I do think that that's one of the challenges I think of the conversation. You know, oil and fossil fuels can help create jobs and bring elevate an economy locally or nationally, but also at a cost, right? So, and that's where it gets muddy really quickly: is who's paying what costs and who is making the money because a lot of the people that pay the costs are probably the people at the bottom of the totem pole, so to speak. And the people that are seeing the benefit are are not experiencing the harm directly that it can create. David, I'm glad you said that because that's at the heart of the work that we're trying to do right now, right? So where I was born, the energy was being extracted from there, but yet a big majority of the folks living on that, on that particular land we're not seeing the benefits, right? We're seeing the worst effects of it, but we're not seeing the benefits. That general dynamic is universal, not just in my little tiny island in, in West Africa, but also here in the United States, right? The poorest, the most disinvested communities here in the United States see the worst effects of climate change. But when we're talking about energy transition, when we're talking about technology to address that, they're not seeing the benefits of it. That's the common denominator between where I'm from and the folks that we're hoping to build technologies today for. And, and I, may I may be jumping uh, uh, our conversation a bit. No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I'm curious about even just to go back to when the infrastructure was changing and where you were living at the time. Clearly, there was no mass education or awareness made to everyone. You were simply probably, to me, I feel like I would feel a little bit like a victim or like a little bit in shock and not clear. But there's maybe like a, a desire to trust. But like you said, you're not getting the benefit. You're just seeing the effects of it. So there were no like jobs being created or any positive benefit at the time. So that's a very good question, Mary. So the first thing that comes to mind is that when you live in one of those communities, like the one I grew up in, you don't have the wisdom or the intellectual um, tools to be able to have an analysis of what's going on. Or, or the language, I would imagine. Or the language, absolutely. Uh, I had no idea what climate change was until very recently, right? I had no idea what you know what could be the uh, the negative effects of other exploration. So. I did not know, right? And and again, that has given me a very good um, life lesson as we're trying to do this work. And I go through this investor community here in the United States, 
uh, and we're talking today, we're talking about fracking or we'll be talking about oil exploration. I know how they feel because I was in that same, that same position. Those companies will come in and they will sell us on the jobs, right? Uh, they will sell us on, on the shiny things, but what we don't know and they will never tell us is the more uh, deleterious effect of that exploration. Right, of course. I mean, they're going to tell you what they want you to know. And then it goes back to that that saying that you hear all the time, you don't know what you don't know. And then if you if you don't have the means to, even if you are curious, but if you don't have that language or the means to learn more, because they're probably not being as explicit as you would like to, then how would you even begin to understand something beyond that, like climate change? And May, you also say something very smart. You, you use the word, I think, victim, right? Yeah. And now I, I want to dig deep into that word, if you may, right? I'm one that has every reason to, to feel victimized by having lost the what I call home, right? And that we will never get that back. Chances are we'll never get that natural equilibrium on my island back. But I'm also one that also understands that for us to be able to move the needle, for us to be able to go beyond where we are, we need to have forgiveness, number one, but we need to find a way to, to find the language to be able to talk about this problem without being a wedge issue, right? So here in the United States, there, there are two camps, it seems. Uh, you have progressive uh, that are for climate change and you know energy transition. And you have the other camp that is more for uh, maintaining the status quo of hydrocarbon-based uh, economy. And every time we, you say renewable, is you know you're you're calling them a bad name, right? But how do we? You know, one of the things that got me so excited about coming to your platform is a place where we can talk about difficult issues and find commonalities so that we can move forward. A renewable. And climate change is one of those things that those on my side that believe in in a future with that based on renewables, we need to be humble and find the language to be able to bring all of us along because that that's the only way collective will be able to move the needle on on, on from where we are right now. Yeah, and I I mean I think that that's the thing, right? Like I tend to be on that more progressive side in in many different ways around this topic. Like I want a cleaner planet. I want a planet that I can give to my kids that's a that was better than when I found it and I want an energy source that empowers people not only empowers a few and takes advantage of others so there's lots of those pieces of the conversation where I find myself in and I would imagine honestly if we set it out in that way many people would be in that position too of course we all want that but it's almost like there's an acknowledgement like fossil fuels did get us to this point like fossil fuels brought us to this point with technology and um, the way that our world has evolved and we were able to build a lot of great things. So there is some good that fossil energy has given to us and that we have all received the benefit from. But it is time for the next conversation. And so how do we come together at the table to actually unpack all of that and acknowledge all the good and the bad of everything that's involved, but in a in a humble way? And I think that that's really maybe the next part of the story. You yourself made a shift while you're studying petroleum engineering. You know, how did you then have that conversation with your colleagues or with people that were in a community that were not on the same page? It's a work in progress, right? It's not a, I don't think it's a destination, right? It's a journey that we need to embrace. We all collectively need to embrace 
and uh, we need to keep working at it. But my selling point is, is to say, I understand why you feel whatever, however way you feel about hydrocarbons. I'm very grateful, like you said earlier, about where we are, where hydrocarbons has taken us. But here, here's the data, and here are the effects of, of hydrocarbon, uh, hydrocarbon energy-based economy. Let's envision, let's dream about tomorrow that can be built on top of this one that hopefully will be better and more sustainable than the one that we have. Uh, that's my pitch, right? And, and like I said earlier, I don't think it's not a destination, it's a journey that my hope is that coming to your platform is part of that journey uh, to continue to educate folks, uh, to show compassion and, and understanding so that collectively we can move to that future that we envision together. Yeah, I love too how you said, I do find it so interesting. And I think that that's like part of the essence of the third place is that, you know, when you say I am progressive, then immediately that means that you're saying something negative about the other quote unquote party or the other um, school of thought. And I think that what your work is doing and what we're trying to do is to press into that it doesn't have to be that when you assign yourself or have a certain approach that that negates the other approach. It just means that it's just a way of making sense of, of gaining that language, but it doesn't have to become much greater than that. But it so easily does, especially with these charged topics like like renewable energy. Yeah, I always remind folks that I'm not against anything. I'm for a future that is more sustainable, where poor communities and individuals uh, will have the technologies to self-empower themselves, to, to give them the ability to be self-autonomous from an electric grid that is increasingly old and, and unreliable, right? So I'm not against anything. I, I, I can only speak for the company that I, I represent. Kiovero is not against anything. We are for a sustainable future. Yeah, and I think that distinction is really powerful, though, the against versus for. Um, and, and that, that again, shows you the, the power of language and how just shifting to that positive connotation can be an undertone that can be really impactful. I think so. Yeah. And so you've you had the experiences or are currently living out the experiences of meeting people where they're at is really what it sounds like and, and helping them see the next step of the journey. Can you uh, briefly like also speak to the experiences that you had as person of color or anti-immigration? Like, do you have experiences where those were also barriers? So I've been very fortunate that uh, I've been trained to be very focused on, on the tangible path that we're trying to follow. As you may, you may know, David, we're in the, we're in the middle of a fundraising campaign uh, to raise capital to, so we can fully develop and bring our first product to market. I wrote a recent article not too long ago about how the space in which Kiyoveo finds itself in a climate intelligence space, or renewable space, is not very diverse. And I'm not talking just about a background diversity. I'm also talking about background in the type of companies that get funded uh, in this space. It's real, but I often choose to focus on the positive. Uh, folks like you guys that giving us an opportunity to be able to, to share our vision and, and what we're trying to do, right? It doesn't take very much <laughs> to see how there's a lack of diversity in this space. 
just that personally I choose to focus on the bright spots. No, that that's beautiful. It is. It's the the shift to the tangible. I think is. I mean, when you talk about basic conflict resolution skills, it it they, it always is focus on the tangible, focus on the facts, and that I think that that can move you away from the emotional space. You can move the needle, right? That you're talking about. And so, can you share with us? You know, what is your vision? Yeah. So whether you live in Missouri, whether you live in Texas, whether you live in South Louisiana. We know that extreme climate events will become more prevalent from now going into the future. And every time those events happen, a common denominator is that folks in the lower class of our society suffer the worst consequences of those events. Right? So, for example, the most recent uh, uh, grid collapse in, in Texas, a lot of folks lost power. And you notice that the power restored in wealthier communities before they were restored in poor communities. That's a dynamic that we've seen for, for many years now, right? And that's a dynamic that most likely we'll continue to see unless folks are more educated about issues like this, right? So at Kiover Energy, we're trying to build technologies designed to empower folks in that lower class, uh, in this investor community, to be able to understand what's happening and to be able to empower themselves so that when those events happen, they're in a better position to, to lift themselves up. So that's what we're doing right now. That's the work that we're trying to do. Now, we understand that uh, from a business perspective, most investors will say, okay, Leo, how are you gonna make money? I'm, we love your mission. How are you gonna make money? So we have a business model that connects affluent parts of the, our, our society and this this invested uh, this, this invested part of our community so that we can have a sustainable plan going forward uh, so that we can become what we call a business so that's what akio energy is doing right now our first product we call it illuminator uh we, we also call it the zeal of sustainable energy it's a way to data that for historically has been very opaque and nobody understand or don't most people most folks don't have the bandwidth to one understand we democratize that data so that we all can see what's happening with the electric grid vis-a-vis the, uh, uh, the grid infrastructure and energy. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So can you unpack that a little bit further? Because I don't understand <laughs> what you're talking about either. So, David, have you, have you guys ever used Zillow? Uh, to, I mean, to, like to buy a house or to look yes. for... Okay. Yes. So Zillow, what it is, is a map right? Uh, the basic foundation is a geospatial map. And on top of that, they've added different layers. They've added, you know, properties, right? House properties. And they've added uh, uh, quality of the schools in that in particular zip codes. And they've added uh, parks. So uh, let me give you an example. So I remember when we think about moving to Philadelphia, my wife got a job in Philadelphia and we've I had never been to Philadelphia. So the first thing I wanted to do is, okay, where can we find a house that we can afford? And the first thing I did is I went to Zillow. And I'm like, okay, this is where my wife, I put the address of my wife's office. And all of a sudden I see all the different prices of property that were near her office. And then I'm like, okay, I have a five-year-old and I have an eight-year-old. They will need to go to the park, right? So Zillow, you pick, an, you pick a house and all of a sudden it tells you where the closest park is for your kids. And it also tells you the quality of the schools within, within that particular zip code. 
So within an hour or so, I had a very good sense of Philadelphia, where I wanted to live because I didn't want, I didn't want my wife to be driving two hours to go to work, uh, the quality of the schools. So I had a very good understanding of big picture Philadelphia vis-a-vis -vis my interests. And we're, we're talking up from a, from a home perspective, which home can we afford? What will be the best place to live? Now, think about the same thing with energy. So you have a house in the countryside and you're thinking, no, it'll be nice to be energy independent. You know, what type of energy will work for me? If you were to spend X amount on solar panels to put it on my roof, how long will it take for me to get that money back? Does it make sense? Is it financially feasible? If I were to get that and I wanted to sell some of that back into the electric, how would I do that? So imagine a tool, or, and that's the case of you as an example. Now, also think about a poor community in a poor middle of Pennsylvania. They do have land, but they're looking for ways to create revenue. There's something called energy farming. So the tool that we're building is one that will do a, a very quick with a one push of a one push of a button analysis of whether it makes sense for them to have a small uh, what we, what we call DIA, which is a distributed energy resource like a solar farm or a wind farm. I mean, either on their property on their roof. So all of a sudden, having a tool that that will do that analysis for them, and it will show them how easy it is for them to be able to create revenue from that that particular operation, is a very very valuable tool. It shows them data. It shows them the possibilities of what they can do with the resources that they may have. So then, from there, I love the visual of Zillow, like all the characteristics that are brought in or put into play, so that you can really personalize your relationship to buying a home, but for this, like engaging in renewable energy, right? That to me in itself feels really empowering just because it takes away the intimidation factor. I mean, I just had a quick moment of feeling so intimidated by some of the first things that you did and then you were able to break it down for us. So I can see that that just that in itself feels like, oh, suddenly this is not this big monster that we have to tackle because it feels so intimidating to think about the sort of trajectory that we're currently on and that there's like a hopelessness that comes from that when you feel like you've got a mountain in front of you and a mountain behind that and then it's a whole valley of mountains beyond there, right? So I love that this to me makes me immediately feel like, oh, I can entertain this concept and I can engage in it. So, Mary, before talking to me today, if you I were to tell you, hey, Mary, tell me the about the electric grid, you'd be like, oh, I, I can't do that, right? Mm -hmm. Most folks are on the same boat as you. The electric grid and the energy system is so complex and is so opaque that those of us, regular citizens, that have should have the power to do something about it, we don't know enough about it, right? So what we envision doing with Illuminator is educating you, trying to speak to you in your own language, because we want to empower you so that collectively we'll be more knowledgeable about our relationship with the electric grid and with the energy systems, things that traditionally only utility companies have been able to do for us. I, you, you tell me, Paul, you don't know uh, where your electricity is coming from. If you don't know where your electricity is coming from, Somebody knows and somebody's making that decision for you, right? As regular citizens, I want us to know where the, our energy is coming from so that we can make better decisions collectively 
about policy, about who we put in power to represent us, right? That's how we, in a very small way, long term will have an effect on the direction, on the decision that we make vis-a-vis renewables. So Illuminator will be that. It's just a very simple platform that will be able to meet folks where they are in time to educate them about the connection and the relationship between them and this big, massive thing that most of us don't fully understand. Yeah, what a perfect name to Illuminator. I mean, it sounds like a way of bringing visibility into our awareness. That's exactly what it is. It's bringing visibility, making it easier for us to engage with the electric grid and renewables in general. Well, and I know like every state's different, but several years ago, Ohio went through a deregulation uh, set of laws. And so it the idea being that it would open up where I could, as a consumer, choose among several energy providers, including the main provider that was here. And, you know, I think the idea was that, hey, by removing all this regulation, well, it'll enter energy into the market. People will be able to have choice. It'll help keep costs low. I feel like it's done the exact opposite. Like, I feel like I'm pretty smart and educated, but I'm like, I've got Every year now, phone calls, hey, choose us as your provider. Choose us as provider. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah, that rate sounds fine. Sure. And it's become where it's very frustrating because I don't have time to do it every year, every year, every year. And I do have access to resources. I do. I have had access to education. So to be someone who would be poor, like I'm middle class, but to be someone who's poor and having those feelings, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be poor. And and therefore, you know that people are taking advantage. So David, we are, throughout the US electric grid, there are two sides. We have deregulated markets and we have regulated markets. And that opaqueness is in both type of markets. So in Pennsylvania, we in a deregulated market, uh, the, what we call a PJM. I think Ohio is also part of that as well, in PJM. The fact that even in a deregulated market, information around the type of electricity that we're using, or the type of energy that we're using, is not transparent, it's not so easy to understand. Even after we, I mean, you guys went to, to a deregulation process, it makes the case for us to envision a different type of tool that empowers you so that you can have a better understanding of this massive um, imposing and intimidating thing that we call electric grid and our relationship with the energy systems, right? That's the importance of Illuminator. How can we make sure that collectively we're more educated? And, you know, when, when you interact with Illuminator, we will not be asking you to choose a company or energy source. We're just saying, hey, David, here's the information, right? So you can be more educated about about the energy system. And I'm gonna say one last thing, uh, if you may. Traditionally, softwares that have tried to do what we're trying to do, they have been designed for utility companies and big resourceful companies. This is the first technology, to my knowledge, designed for folks like me and you, with the sole intent of trying to empower us and trying to educate us so that we can make better decisions about this color solution that we call electric grid or energy systems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had a, a podcast episode, I guess it was about a month ago on basic needs and mm-hmm. how it's nearly impossible to engage in conversations like this or schools of thought or systems like this when you don't even have your basic needs met. And a lot of that, there can often be 
synergies and that basic needs aren't being met with lower income communities. So mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on like, how are you going to engage them in this conversation? Or how are you going to engage them in the work of it that you have? Because they're probably not going to seek it out. So I imagine there has to be some pretty active initiative to get it in front of them to begin with. That's a very good question. So in our business model, we're using a combination of freemium and subscription-based model. And we have identified the different type of users that we foresee using this powerful technology. Uh, For individuals like me and you, and for this investor community, they'll be using this software for free. We plan to make it free for them. And then we have a different type of uh, uh, users that'll be engaging this to a subscription model where we hope that they'll be subsidizing the usage for individuals like me and you that strategically long-term, we think that will be able to help us move the needle around climate change and the amount of renewables that we're using the electric grid. Does that make sense? Yeah. So to a freemium model, we hope that individuals, uh, individual citizens, and especially the invested communities will be able to use our platform for free. And then, you know, the obviously the investors are asking you, right, like the monetization. So that's coming from more of the affluent partners. And how do you gain buy-in from that side? So there are many issues. So without getting too technical, uh, so <laughs> there are many issues that folks care about the electric and energy system are, are, are facing. One is grid visibility, the ability to be able to see not just what your small solar farm or your small power plant, but being able to see beyond what you're using, what other users are doing. That's something that we'll be providing to subscribing customers or subscribing users, number one. Grid access, right? So one of the cool things about there's something called LMP. Where do I need to build a small D or a small a small power station, right? So that I can make I can make it more financially viable. Where in the areas of the electric grid, there's heavy, heavy traffic, congestion of electricity, so that it makes more sense for us to be able to put a small power plant over there so that we can make, uh, instead of <laughs> taking 20 years to make our money back, we can make it in one year. So that's another feature that we're providing to subscribing customers that traditional softwares have not been able to do. So we have a plethora of, of features that we think that would be attractive to our subscribing best customers that will wanna will make them wanna have Illuminator. And then in, in them doing so, again, we can subsidize regular individuals and disinvested communities that our mission claims to wanna wanna empower. That's brilliant. Yeah, you're shortening the return for the subscribing customers. Yeah, it sounds like pretty dramatically too. And at the same time, getting to get in front of those that need to be empowered and want to be empowered. It's brilliant. And, you know, and you're providing hope in that same process. You know, when Mary brought up basic needs, you know, it's so easy when your needs aren't met, whether they're they're basic or more advanced, when your needs aren't being met, it's so easy to get caught in, in hopelessness. And I think you're really giving an opportunity for hope. I want you to just, as we close, talk about your current campaign, because I think one of the other things, which also speaks to everything that you're doing, is you are providing an opportunity for many 
people of many different economic status to be able to hop in. You know, so what is the campaign for? How long does it last? And what does it take to be able to buy in like me? Can I do that? So thank you, David. That's a very good question, right? So traditionally, small startups like us are with revolutionary technology like Illuminator. They were funded and owned by uh, what we call accredited investors, very wealthy folks that the law allow, for many reasons, uh, to be the only ones to be able to own uh, this type of technology. We are talking about democratizing the electric grid. Uh, We wanted to live (laughs) by that that same philosophy. And who will own this company and who will own this technology? So we're using a crowdfunding platform to give regular citizens, anyone with at least $100, the opportunity to own Illuminator and to own Kiover in general. So we're using WeFonder, we're trying to raise $250,000 so that we can finish developing Illuminator and we can take it to market. The campaign will go for about three months and we started that on March 15th. So we're gonna be there for the next three uh, three months. It's open to anyone, uh, you, me, anyone that thinks that having a sustainable future is, is a smart thing to do. Uh, anyone that thinks that giving everyone in our country an opportunity to uh, to determine their own energy future is important. This type of technology we think will make a difference in, in, in that. That's amazing. You were connected to me from a dear friend of mine who I think is brilliant in his own right and uh, very much in the social entrepreneurship space. So, you know, I bring that up just because I appreciate the work that you're doing that it also is just so empowering for everybody that wants to be involved. And and you've been thoroughly thinking through how everyone can be involved, the consumer, the investor. And I just love how it, it's full circle. It's fully encompassing. And I think it really does give hope. So what is your website? Where can people find you? How can people engage and learn more? They can go to our website is kioveo.com, which is Q-U-I-V-E-O.com. Or they can go to WeFonder and type the same thing, Kioveo, and they should be able to find us uh, easily on the, on the WeFonder platform. Yeah. What does that stand for? Is there a meaning behind the word? There must be. Uh, yes, there is. You know, advice to everyone listening: if you start a company, make sure you name it something that anybody can pronounce. Uh, don't, don't, don't bring in Kiovel. But th- that's a good question, Mary. Uh, so, I was a young man in in Anabon, like we were telling earlier. I was, tell, I was telling you guys earlier, and Kiovel is the highest peak in the island where I was born. Uh, you know, I was a young man. I didn't. We didn't have running water. We didn't have electricity. And we'll climb up over there. And I would dream about worlds beyond what I could see. Uh, I had no idea that that type of work would take me to machine learning and artificial intelligence, which is what I'm doing right now. But every time I, uh, you know, I, whenever I have a burden, I think about the challenges that uh, we're facing as a small startup. I'm taken back to that, uh, to my youth and, and my days in in, uh, in Kiovel. So that's where the name comes from. It's, uh, it's, uh, it means something to me. It may not mean anything to anyone, uh, but that's where the name comes from. I think that that's one of the most beautiful stories. I also would say that if you are an entrepreneur or starting a business, that your name will often prompt 
a story or an ask, right? So, so maybe, you know, in the spirit of, of Leo in, in flipping the script and doing something always with positive connotation, to me, it sounds like an opportunity to share a, a visual that to me feels like the embodiment of the work that you're doing now. I endorse that opinion. <laughs> Endorsed by Leo. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I feel like it's a word that I want to start incorporating in my own language, bringing you to a place to see beyond, you know, to see ahead, to see the future and dream. That's a beautiful word and should be in our language. Yeah, always having to teach folks to say Kio Veo. Kio Veo. Yeah, one, you see, once you break it up, it's very easy to say. Yeah, and, and I mean, when I think of different languages, too, you know, ki or, or chi is life, and veo is, it has a lot to do with visibility. So there's like a lot of, uh, there's just so much subtle things coming through that are very powerful. And the work that you're doing, Leo, like, I feel honored that we get to share this story, you know, your story, and how that's unfolded into the work that you're doing now, but also to have met you. So thank you for coming on today. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Be well. <laughs>